0: Hey everyone, Bob WP here, episode 92 of Do The Woo, 92, we're just a few away from 100 and, and I haven't really planned anything for 100, so, hmm, so anyway, hello to my esteemed co-host, Brad
1: Williams. Hey Bob. I Bob, think, I think number 100 should be a, a big party, a big celebration, so maybe we'll have to... I don't know, bring some uh some secret surprises to that to that show, see what we can come up with We've got a, we've got a few weeks, we'll figure it out.
0: yeah, we'll do something. you know we might even do a a special little hundred show. Who knows you know that might be the
1: It's a big milestone. A lot of shows don't get past the first episode, so yeah <laughs> you hit a hundred three digits that's a that's a reason to celebrate.
0: All righty, well uh Brad has called it. We will have an official one hundred episode celebration. Well, let's go ahead and move on. We have a great guest coming up. But before I do that, I'd like to thank our two sponsors, PayPal.com. Check out their extension over on the WooCommerce Marketplace. Gives you some options for pay later, as well as a few other goodies thrown in. So do check that out. Again, over on the WooCommerce Marketplace and WooCommerce.com, 4.9 came out, and that happened last week two days ago 4.9 point one next one is 5.0 so minor updates here recently uh, yeah wonder what's in store for 5.0 what do you think Brad
1: well I would hope that 5.0 is a uh, a larger release um, there's something about those you know those those whole number of releases that just in your mind, make you think they're big. And I know that, that hasn't always held true for WordPress, but certainly, you know, WordPress 3.0, um, was a big milestone introducing, uh, custom post types, taxonomies, and, and merging WordPress Mu, I remember WordPress MU merging that into core as multi-site. That was a massive release and 5.0 was another noteworthy one with, uh, Gutenberg, um, The first introduction to Gutenberg and Core 4.0 wasn't that noteworthy, but three and five were. So I don't know, it'd be nice to see WooCommerce do something big. I'm curious what they're planning. I haven't um, been too close to it with the holidays, but I would imagine there's already discussions going on in Slack um, between the dev teams and and contributors. So um, I would imagine if you do dive into Slack, you can get to some of those (laughs) answers, but... Whereas I'm just looking for a public blog post that makes it very easy for me. And I did not find one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I just wait for the, the secret word to go out. So
1: I'm still, you know, they always, uh, I, they need to name these things a little bit, right? Like WordPress has jazz musicians. I don't think WooCommerce names their releases, right? So No, they
0: don't. BuddyPress
1: no. has like famous pizzerias. Um, I feel like WooCommerce needs something some kind of a stick that they can they can release know, names under it makes it more interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, something monetary. No, I don't know. <laughs>
1: all right. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll we'll start naming
0: them ourselves. How about that? We'll start naming. are thinking term- of what
1: 5.0 <laughs> is going to be called. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we'll have one for you for sure. So, all righty. Well, we have Mike Bragg joining us today and the cool thing about Mike is that I went to his LinkedIn profile and first thing you read is designer who codes, which kind of, I don't know, maybe it's an oxymoron, but it it does happen, you know, but that's who we have today. Mike, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thank you.
0: So as we always start and Mike does have his fingers in a little bit of woo. How do you do the woo? What, what are you involved with these days tell people a little bit about how you work yourself around woo
2: okay currently i work at a uk-based agency called vatu where i manage their e-commerce developments for a number of clients now we work with clients to increase their performance this is a bit stability and also increase profits
0: cool now everybody has a journey So yours is maybe, I don't know if WordPress came first, WooCommerce, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg type of thing. How did you get involved in, you know, a little bit into WordPress and then how did that actually move into WooCommerce?
2: Uh, My journey started as a teenager, learning bits of code on building websites for Netscape. That'll just show you how old my age is. (laughs) So I started there doing that. I got into building a few hobby sites with standard, you know, HTML and GeoCities and things like that. Then evolved into working with um, bulletin boards. As an older teenager, I did a bit of work for Icon Board and envision Board, doing a bit of support, doing a bit of theming. I dabbled with B2 and CAFLOG, obviously just before WordPress started, kind of veered away then, went to college to do graphic design which becomes the designer part of me. Once I'd graduated from college, I went back into the workplace doing print design. I then built up a, a job at Trinity Mirror, who are a newspaper publisher here in the UK. And after a few years, I worked my way into their studio, just as it merged with their digital department. So I then, with my little skill set that I got, inherited a few projects, building PHP holiday advertisement sites, going through all that, um, fixing issues with those, rebuilding the theme. So that was when responsive design was coming in. So we changed it from a table layout to mobile uh, application. As that succeeded, I ended up with more projects from the company, and I took over the development of their events websites. So that was where we WordPress came into it, it was because it was merged it was migrating from a standard static site into something a lot more dynamic. And that's where WordPress was introduced to manage the application forms, the judging panel, the sponsors, all through custom post types and forms. And from there, I left Trinity Mirror and joined a agency here in the UK called Edge Creative, who had several WooCommerce websites that were struggling a little bit with speed. They were making good money, but weren't quite quick enough. And that's where my love of WooCommerce became working on these sites, improving the speed, improving the design, making them more reliable. And then from there, I moved on this year to Vatu, where I've been not quite solely working on WooCommerce, but that's the main priority that I do. And we've been taking some quite big sites that have high turnovers, high number of traffic, and an extortion of domains products and making them performant. That's probably the short story of my journey to WooCommerce. <laughs>
1: That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, there's definitely multiple points throughout that story where you definitely dated yourself. <laughs> so like going back to um you know thinking about B2, um you know the precursor to WordPress, um thinking about uh Netscape. <laughs> That's even further back. Definitely in static HTML days back then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's always fun. We've talked to a lot of different people on this show, right? The majority, I would say, the majority of the people we talked to were um, not around, um, you know, had an experience B2, myself included. You know, I didn't get into WordPress in 2006. WordPress started in 2003, I think it was, and B2 was, you know, the foundation of WordPress, so was was around before that. So, so you've been doing this clearly for for multiple decades at this point, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, so, just kind of focusing on WordPress and in, in your path there. I'm curious, you know, having been around WordPress very early on, it sounds like, and then kind of coming back and revisiting it a little bit later in your career, and then where we're at now, which is sounds like a number of years later. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall evolution of WordPress um, and just a- as a piece of software that it is um, seeing it in those early days, seeing it maybe more in the middle stages. And then obviously, you know, where we're at today, um, just overall thoughts on the the platform, the framework. Do you still enjoy it? Do you still think they're pushing the needle or are they falling behind? Just just in general, how are you feeling about WordPress these days?
2: Yeah, I think it started off as a, a beginner, as somebody that's taught themselves how to code. It was very daunting in back in the early days. There wasn't a lot of people doing things with it, like a documentation, like tutorials, things like that. So that's why I kind of drifted away from it, tried other content management systems of the time. But then when I revisited it because we needed a content management system, WordPress had then evolved from a blog to being that little bit more. So instead of it being simple, just here's your blog, blog post, you could then expand it more with a custom post types with a lot more of the plugins that evolved, it allowed me to do what I needed to do without it being too complicated. So at that stage, I was still very new to PHP. So I was trying to cobble together from tutorials you could find in different places that weren't always the most reliable. But then because the quality of the documentation around it raised it up to a level where I could walk in and have a good understanding of it, and then, obviously, as years progressed, you understand more about the inner workings of the code and how that works. And then I've been blessed to have a number of good mentors throughout the years who have explained things to me to allow me to progress and do more complex things with WordPress.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, um, what you mentioned about early on not really having the documentation, that one definitely um, rings true for me as well. When I got started, there's a lot of – you know, the codex existed. So there was kind of that base level. Um, certainly it wasn't as extensive as it is today. And um, everything else was really just random articles online that I would find or, or random like, you know, forums. Forums were very popular back, you know, 15 years ago. Random posts and forums of someone struggling with the same, you know, question I was struggling with. And there wasn't a lot of um, detailed source material that really you know, opened up the hood of WordPress and dove in and said, this is actually how you should do it. And it's one of the reasons why um, I wrote professional WordPress back in 2009, the first one, because it was like the manual that I needed and, and, and still need, um, you know, back then, because it just, there weren't all these resources like people have today. There weren't sites dedicated to WordPress or WooCommerce and especially not with a dev focus, <laughs> you know, if there was, it was more about just writing, like you said, blog posts or how to use it, how to log in. So it's easier for people coming in today, certainly than it was when you came in, when I came in and others, because that information just wasn't, wasn't available. And we had to kind of figure it out ourselves, <laughs> which is kind of crazy.
2: I think that was it. Your book was one of those eureka moments where you realized that other people thought the same way I did. And oh, cool. um, that was the way that you could read that. And it explained it all. So I think there were certain stages throughout my career that I've looked at other people's codes and learned more than I could on my own. I was quite fortunate at Trinity Mirror; I had access to another company they owned website that I could read through the code, and that taught me about oh, using custom post types, using hooks and filters, things like that. And then you were like, "Well, am I?" Because you were always insecure that am I doing this the right way or the best way? Because when you've got 20 different sources all giving you different information i'll do it this way you know add it into core code add it into a plugin add it into it and when you're early on in your development stages you don't know what's for the best so then it was looking at other people and then seeing the quality that they do oh they're somebody i look up to and respect or their site works that's probably the better way to do this
1: yeah yeah i mean great points it's as with everything in technology right there's usually a number of different ways to accomplish the same thing but it doesn't mean they're all the correct way or the most efficient way or the most performant way. Um, and WordPress is no different. So there's, you know, one, one of the big examples that's, um, kind of over the years has been dispelled a bit, but is, it's just like, you know, re re querying posts on a page or products with WooCommerce, whatever it might be, but using the pro- improper way of doing it, something like query posts, um, isn't, is not efficient because when the page loads, whatever's supposed to be on that page, um, is loaded and then using query post, you're saying, you know what, we're going to reload that information with what I actually want. So you just made multiple calls to the database that you didn't have to do. So just kind of having that level of knowledge of why does query post exist then if it's problematic, well, there are actual use cases to where it does make sense. And, and that's, you know, the book and others like tutorials online, you know, over the years, people have really broke that down so that there are really good resources um, and, you know, tried and true best practices um, when building out, you know, things the WordPress way. And I think it's raised everybody's game, right? Because yeah, there's three, four, five different ways you could query data on a WordPress site, but knowing the right way and then getting everybody to follow along. And now everybody knows the right way, you you know, the, 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 level of, 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 you know, the, the quality of, and professionalism of the plugins that we use, um, have benefited obviously from that.
0: And Brad always enjoys hearing the word Eureka and his book in the same breath. You know, that's, that's always
1: back to back episodes where people love my book, Bob. I like this trend. So we just keep bringing on people that have read my book and really like, it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's one of the questions I ask him. First question, uh, do you know, Brad, have you read his book? Okay, come on. But, um, <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I do appreciate it. And. You know, it's, I, I love hearing that because that kind of is like the motivation to want to keep doing it is knowing it's, you know, I, do I make money doing it a little bit, but is it, is it worth Like, do I, am I making enough to, to, to cover the, you know, my time? Uh, no, it's more for me. It's a way to contribute back, right. In a more official capacity for me is to write the books, keep them updated um, because it's the manual I needed. It's the manual, you know, people like Mike sounds like it helped you and others. Um And, and I want to continue to help people that enjoy those type of of resources. Cause not everyone's going to read a book on programming, but I grew up reading books on programming. So I generally tend to, to lean that way. And I, maybe that's just like Mike, you and, and me and, and others are kind of the the older school that have been doing this since the nineties in some capacity. Um, everybody learns differently. Like you said, I like to look at code too. So the other, you know, between writing the book and researching and really learning, but also just opening up other plugins and looking at other code Um, visually getting my hands dirty, if you will, that's always been a way that I enjoy learning, but other people don't like learning that way. You know, they maybe want to sit in a classroom with a teacher and be able to raise their hand and ask questions, you know, so you just got to find what works best for you. And thankfully WordPress is so hot and has been for so long that there's, there's literally any and all options available in terms of how to learn to to write code for WordPress. And I say WordPress, I also mean WooCommerce, you know, I'm generalizing just the open source platform, but, um, you know, there's just so many options that if you do truly want to learn, there's a lot of different ways to get there, a lot of different ways to do it, including site. <laughs> do the woo.
0: <laughs> Thanks to our sponsor PayPal. PayPal has launched a new pay later option called pay in four. This means that your clients can offer their customers the option to purchase over time in four interest-free payments. This feature is one of two options from PayPal for pay later, with the other being PayPal credit which gives store customers more purchasing power through flexible and transparent choices in how and when they pay. The second option is subject to consumer credit approval. So offering these payment options is good business. Did you know that 64% of consumers surveyed say they're more likely to make a purchase at a retailer that offers interest-free payment options? And 56% of consumers that responded agree that they prefer to pay a purchase back in installments rather than use a credit card. Well, this seems like a no-brainer to me. Clients can grow their sales and get paid up front with no additional risk or cost. All you need to do is download the PayPal checkout extension on the marketplace at woocommerce.com. Just head on over, click marketplace and search for the PayPal checkout. Suggesting that to your clients will certainly open up sales opportunities for them. Thanks to PayPal for being a community sponsor for Do the Woo. And now let's head back on over to the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about the designer who codes and you said you'd you went, went to school, graphic design, and then you uh, went to print, which I've done the same thing. Been there. Were you coding, and then you became a designer, and then you, you know, continued to code, or what pushed you to kind of pull in both of these talents? And or were you a designer and said, "I, hey, I need to start learning this code even more," and maybe you've discovered which one you really prefer to work on, or if it's a, just a nice mix?
2: Yeah, uh, I've always been an inquisitive person. I want to know how something works, why it does this, how it works, and the end point of it, and take things apart, put them back together, those things. So code interest me it was the early days of the web. I was fortunate to be on, have an internet connection quite early. So it was exploring, well, how's this built? Then you learn through there because Netscape used to have an inbuilt editor and it was just random try things built from there. And as I got that, I'd always had quite a creative side as well, which then when you were sitting in school, there wasn't really, oh, you can be a programmer. It was, I'll be a graphic designer. This looks really good, interesting, fun. Went to college, found the course, turned up with a portfolio that included a single website. That was my portfolio at the time, which lit their eyes up because nobody was doing it at the time. So then I really enjoyed that. I spent four years at Warsaw College getting my qualifications to do that. And towards the end, I created a couple of little websites as part of the coursework. Some in Flash, some in HTML. And it grew. At, well, I can do both. I've always got this slight technical thought to everything. The process that I do, my designs tend to be very technical orientated there's a design system behind it there's a reasoning there's thinking of how it all works together not just this semiotic side of it so it kind of been a nice marriage and then i learned more more about the web started building more websites and then it kind of like merged together is i can have a conversation on two sides of the aisles i'm quite comfortable talking to a designer talking about your typography your leading your letter spacing. And the other hand, you're talking about functions, variables, returns, APIs, and it was quite a, a good place to be because at the time, there wasn't many that did both. So you could then almost position yourself quite usefully between the two, made you a, a commodity that companies wanted.
0: Yeah, interesting because I've i been a designer. I was a designer for, man, too many years. I want to say 20, 20 plus years or more, and I was not – I was inquisitive, but not that inquisitive about the code. So it's always been, oh, great. I don't need to know how this works. I just know it works and I'm happy. And when I was a kid, I used to take a lot of stuff apart, but I had a problem putting stuff back together, which is another whole story, but curious, Brad, have you seen the same thing when it comes to this unique combination and finding those kind of people for your own company?
1: We do, Um, but finding a person that really excels in that combination um, is definitely few and far between. I mean, we really look at um, people like that as, we call them unicorns because it's what they are, right? They exist. Maybe unicorn is not the best term. They exist, but they're hard to find. (laughs) That doesn't really make sense if it's a unicorn (laughs) because they don't exist, do they? (laughs) But I think you get my point, right? They exist, (laughs) but they're hard to find. And when you do find them, you want to hold on to them because it is a rare for, again, for someone to do it properly, I think there's a lot of people out there that probably say they do it, but an actual designer that has design capabilities and can get into the hood and write code um, very effectively. Um, we've had a number of of people like that over the years, and they're they're hard to find. And when you find them, you want to do everything you can to hold on to them because it is a very valuable skill you know, being able to kind of transcend both sides of the house. I mean, I'm a developer, um, so I absolutely understand that I don't have the design capabilities. I never have. Um, I can kind of fumble my way through it, but I'm not good, you know? Um, so I can tell you something I think looks good or not, but I can't make things look, good, <laughs> which is why I'm, I'm, I always caution people with page builders. I'm like, great, you can do whatever you want, but if you don't know how to make something look good, <laughs> is that a good thing to have that amount of control? Probably not because I can't make a site look very good with the page builder, you know? Um, but yeah, so it is absolutely a great, um, asset. And if you, We've had actually a couple of people hired at our company that were more on the kind of front end design side of the house, and over the years, um, have become more interested in code and actually have um, basically uh, transitioned their their job and their career from front end design into back end, um, and have been very happy to do so because you know until they worked with us, and I'm sure you guys work similar, Mike, but um, they weren't you know our most front enders, or no, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of front enders out there, or even designers, they don't get into the code at companies because they want really want people to stay in their lanes. Where we're very flu, We're like, hey, if writing code interests you, well, let's throw you know some some custom plugins we need built on your plate, and let's see how you do. Let's test it out and see if you really like it. And then if you do, then it might be worth exploring making that more of your full time role. So I'm curious, is that do you do you get to kind of use both sides of? Of those skills and abilities, Michael, in your day-to-day, um, are you kind of bouncing between you know, both groups, both sides, or, or is it kind of project-based? I'm just curious how that works for you.
2: Uh, I started off bouncing between all of them, but it's very much the reason why I learned back-end code was needs. There was a need, and there was nobody to fill that need. And it was kind of, go on, I can do this. Let's have a go. <laughs> and then it evolved from there. And I've kind of would have gone from probably, in the original days, it was probably like, 90% design then it moved to maybe you know 50% design 40% front end and the rest and then it gradually evolved and now I probably did more back end with a good chunk of front end than I do design but I also keep my my design alive through external projects personal projects things like that so I've got that that there I went back uh let's see just over two years ago and finished my degree, which is in design. So I spent a whole year doing design again, even though I'd spent the previous three, four years beforehand doing backend development, just to jump around again, revitalize it, get a bit of passion about it.
0: This episode is brought to you by WooCommerce. You may just be starting your journey as a WooBuilder or well into that journey. Or perhaps you have WooCommerce talents that you want to bring to a team as you look to make a switch in your career. WooCommerce has several roles open that will likely fit your own goals of growth. You'll be joining the larger automatic team, a diverse and distributed group of individuals with a passion for WordPress, and yes, in many cases, WooCommerce. If you are looking to make that career pivot, and love working from home, check out all their positions over on our job listings at do the woo.io. Trust me. I know the company. I know a lot of the people there. It's a smart move. Thanks to WooCommerce.com and their support as a community sponsor. Now let's head back to the show. Just want to touch a little bit how you view or work with WooCommerce with that skill set of both backend and design.
2: I think at its basic level, when you're building a feature, you have that mindset of not just it's, a, it's an input box. You can choose an option. It's how does that option work? How does the user interact with it? You know, is it, is it Should it be an option? Should it be a checkbox? Should it be a radio? Should it be all these different types of things? How does the user journey go to get to there? You know, is it a button? Does it need to be a primary button, a secondary button? All these things that you learn in design. Just to make things stand out, make it easy, things like that, and the same on the front end. It's quite useful because you can get a very standard looking WooCommerce template site, but let's push the boat out. Let's do something fancy that you know that you maybe couldn't do with standard grid layout or the front end and designer in me. Okay, let's do something fancy. Let's do a CSS grid pattern that lays all the content out differently. Let's, we can push a lot further and hopefully make it more appealing to the end customer not just the fact that the site works and they have a feature that they can use let's make them want to use it let's make it stand out use the different levels to draw the eye to places so you know if we've got a product that's not doing particularly well we can then alter the layout mm-hmm. puts it in focus of the customer makes them know it's there and hopefully more likely to buy it. It's
1: pulling in that UX user experience into the, the dev really. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean the benefits again, because normally you'd have two or three people (laughs) having to work together on that versus, you know, one potentially. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think having UX is such an important thing. Um, and it's easy for devs sometimes just, uh, devs are very like black and white, right? Like it's, at least the ones I've worked with over the years, most of them where it's, you know, they'll take direction to do something. But if you're not explicit on every little detail, um, they may not do something that's obvious because you didn't tell them to do it. Right. Um, which isn't a bad thing. They're following instructions. But, you know, um, it, I feel like it's usually the designers and certainly people focused on UX that are immediately going to call out stuff like that because that's their job is great. That is a dropdown. That is a form field. But <laughs> is that the best experience? <laughs> you know? sure we come across that all the time when we're surfing the web and on different websites.
0: I'm curious with that experience in both of those. And I don't know whether this can be our kind of our, our um, wrapping up question, but what, what do you feel like at this point in time is your biggest challenge with WooCommerce?
2: From a back end perspective, a lot of the work that I'm personally doing now is around testing everything. So when the site's live, we know it works every update that we make with a new woocommerce release yes woocommerce tests that but what on our individual sites you know have we got the acceptance testing in place that says yes a customer can purchase a product there is nowhere in that chain that it falls down and that we haven't broken a design layout through a a css change so it's looking at a lot of um, acceptance testing and visual regression testing because with the clients that we're working with are on a, a higher level of income, they have a lot more demands on us that if there is anything that breaks, it can cost them, you know, four or five figure sums through being down from a certain amount of time. So it's that level of trust in the product and trust in the fact that the customizations we've made as builders, that that works so from the back end that's the back end perspective and from the front end design perspective is what can we do to push our e-commerce stores to instead of just here's your product here's its features let's tell a story some of the best so you look at the apple apple have a story that goes down through their product that tells you all the benefits all the values why you want to buy it there's oh i can't think of the name there's a notebook company and they go through and tell the story of the notebooks for each individual version they do. They do a lovely custom layout. It shows you that layout. You've got all the stories about how do we turn a very rigid e-commerce looking website into something that brings joy, creates emotion to that customer that then makes them want to buy the product and raise it, raise its perception over a competing product. And I think that's something with the Gutenberg blocks comes very interesting that we could then begin to tell stories but also include our buy buttons, our feature blocks, our variations in there with the story so that if somebody does go, oh, I want to buy it now, it's there, but it's not just picture, buy button, cost, um, additional information.
0: That's a, a a good example of the use of – the WooCommerce blocks. I mean, you know, I hear a lot of people, you know, want to basically redesign the checkout page or whatever, you know, when's this going, the product page, to blocks, and there's all this talk around this, but the fact that you can, like you said, put a story in there and put those call to actions in there and not make it just a simple product page. But something that they can learn from and then at the same time make that purchase is uh, is real valuable there. So, so cool. Yeah. Well, Brad, why don't you wrap this baby up for us?
1: First, want to give a quick shout out to our show sponsors as Bob mentioned at the top of the show, uh, WooCommerce, check them out, WooCommerce.com. It's the platform we talk about 4.9 was just released last Tuesday and a point, a, a hot fix 4.9.1. Was released today, which is a couple days uh, prior to the release of this show. But um, so, anyways, if you've updated or if you haven't, make sure you get on the most recent release, check it out. They're starting to plan and dig in for the 5.0 release. Maybe it'll be major. Maybe, it'll, maybe we'll start naming them. Maybe you can get involved. Go check out the WooCommerce uh, Slack channels as well. You can dive in um, and get involved with that team. Also, PayPal. Um, Bob mentioned the extension, but definitely check out the Pay in 4.0. Option with PayPal, which lets your uh, your customers buy now and pay later, and they can split their payments up um, in four. Basically, it's it's an equal payment every two weeks. So the first payments on when they make the purchase, and then every two weeks thereafter, till they've made four payments. PayPal takes all the risk; you get all your money right up front. So it's kind of a no brainer. You should definitely look into potentially turning that on for your customers because that could really increase some higher conversions, more conversions, uh, make some more sales. So check it out. Pay in four. Um, and Mike, we want to thank you for being on, um, any place, where can people find you online? They want to follow up the discussion. They want to reach out. Um, where's the best uh, place for people to, to, to find Mike on, on the internet?
2: Yeah. My website is michaelbragg.com. I'm on Twitter at Michael Bragg and LinkedIn is Michael Bragg UK. So shoot me a message through any of those mediums. Happy to talk to people. Awesome.
1: Um we definitely appreciate you having uh coming on the show Michael. It's been a great conversation. It's always fun to talk with people that were that are actually doing the building and hearing how they got here and some of the the challenges they see and some of the cool things they're doing. So we appreciate you joining and having the designer discussion too cuz I think that's a very fascinating one. Um talking unicorns. You need to think of a better animal there? What's an animal you don't see often but it does exist? Yeah. Roadrunner. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Roadrunner is good. <laughs> At least they're fast, according to the cartoons. I don't know. Anyways, anything else, Bob?
0: No, I think that's it. Just want to um, let everyone know I'm doing a survey on Do the Woo. It's a WooCommerce builder survey for 2020, uh, just to see how things kind of panned out for different builders. And got this idea from a question on Slack. Thought it would be interesting. It's nothing. I'm not diving into numbers or anything. Just real simple survey take you just a few minutes to fill it out. You just go to do the woo.io forward slash 2020 survey. I think that's it, Brad. I think that's all I have.
1: Awesome. Well, for Bob and myself, we are do the woo episode 92. Thanks again, uh, Michael Bragg for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of do the woo.